0: This street I stayed on in Matosinhos, just north of Porto, where the streetcars send seagulls flying, where joggers brush just past longshoremen, where old men drink their coffee on the sidewalk and sigh. I think it's everything I want from Portugal. But the most endearing thing about Brito Capello Street, I think, is the quiet anarchy of the architecture. Hulking blocks of raw concrete on one building while next to it an aging ballad of stucco and balustrades, and then next to that a deeply Instagrammable old storefront covered in faded aquamarine tile. It's a mix of architectural Cucina Povera and grand brutalism, all running down to the port where the new cruise terminal looks like a royal cousin of the Guggenheims in Bilbao or New York City. This is a land of architectural giants, home to two Pritzker Prize winners, Eduardo Soto from Porto, and César Vieira, who was born right here in Matosinhos, which is, by the way, two more Pritzker Prize winners than New York City has ever brought into the world. I cannot help but think that the obsessions of these Portuguese builders and dreamers are the same stuff that animates the work of today's guest, Ana Auergao, who left her architecture studies to instead draft her own parallel worlds through her artwork. It can be hard to summarize, but I would say she creates drawings, sometimes using nothing fancier than a big pen on paper. These range in size from handheld to mural size, but always have an astonishing level of detail, recreating and riffing and recomposing the buildings and the skyline of her city, or of the Tower of Babel, or of other astonishments of architecture, then infusing them with a bit of magical realism, earthquakes, apocalypses, worlds without gravity. Her work is obsessive, like the fevered sculptures in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You see it and immediately you know an unusual mind lies behind it. And that's why I wanted to crack open a bottle of port wine with Anna, break into that brain a little bit, and see what it says about her and about the city that made her. This final Porto episode, like the rest, was recorded pre-COVID, but the memories are still strong and they are still warm. Thank you, especially to Matosinos, to Tiago Costa, Eduardo Leal, and the Adventure Cinema Festival crew. We will meet again. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. Here I am. Here you are.
1: Here I am. (laughs) This is me. (laughs)
0: It's perfect. I didn't know I was going to get a song.
1: No, I'm terrible. I'm terrible singing. Sometimes I pretend and I say that I'm a singer, but I'm joking. (laughs) Even when I sing uh, the congratulations song, like the birthday song.
0: I'm terrible. Really just like bad. I mean, birthday song is supposed to be sung badly. It's it's right. It's by it's being sung by people who love you. (laughs) And you know that they love you because they're willing to sing and they should not sing. Exactly. So I like I like that idea. Um, Okay. so Anna, you have brought uh, no thanks to your husband who got regular wine.
1: Yes. No, uh, no proper husband. uh,
0: You went out and corrected it and brought a port wine, but a fresh port wine.
1: Yes, because the white port wine should be drunk fresh. Uh, that's important. You can also add ton- tonic water, but I think plain is quite good. That's
0: the way I, I can tell with this cork that it's going to make a great sound. So we're going to do a little like ASMR, alcohol bottle sound. Oh, that's so good. I'm going to put it back. It's just like, it's perfect. Wow. I feel like we could, we could, I could start like a sound library and start licensing <laughs> the sound of the perfect cork. <laughs> All right, I just opened this bottle five times. Um, that's how excited I am about it. Quinta de la Rosa, which is a, I'm pronouncing it like in Spanish, which is terrible. That's um, this is the, I mean, we're in Porto, Matosinhos, but Porto. Mm-hmm. And port wine is the drink.
1: Port wine is the only logical drink I could give you.
0: <laughs> I, I, I know, and I like how you, you came in and you're like, you know, my husband didn't get to bring port wine, but I said he's an American, he needs a port wine, <laughs> and it is true. Like I, from the beginning of my days, long before I even knew that Porto was a place, of course you know of port. In, like, old British gentlemen exactly. who drink it. Exactly.
1: You don't even think about the city, you think about the wine. So, it's very logical that you drink port wine and you present it to someone that's coming from far away. I'd love to. That. visit us.
0: So. Thank you for uh, presenting me with this Thank port you, wine. Thank you, Nathan. It's Cheers. a pleasure. Cheers. A pleasure.
1: Wow. It's sweet, isn't it?
0: Now, is that sweeter than it usually is? No, no,
1: no, it's normal. They are sweeter. In the store they had sweeter, but I, they didn't have fresh,
0: so. what? And when you say fresh, what does that mean? Is it green? No, Instead of red, or? No,
1: in the way that it's really fresh, like.
0: Oh, it's cold. Cold. Eh. Sorry. I get that, okay. yes Portuguese
1: some... you say fresco for um uh, it's not fresh you know I, I was translating like
0: uh, yeah yeah you know somebody at the bar <laughs> one of the bars last night was like did you want that beer fresh and the, <laughs> the english here is so good especially i'm used to spain you know i love you Cas- uh, uh. castilians your english is often pretty shitty mm. the english in portugal is insanely good and uh so it was very funny because I had no idea what he was saying. He was like, I don't do you want a fresh beer? Not
1: fresh because we say yeah, it's very yeah. close. Um,
0: so you want cold port cold. Um, but I, I think of port as like it, it's also is there there's red and white.
1: Exactly. there's um, the white is my favorite, but the other one is also very, very good, but I'm more wh- a white uh, wine person. So.
0: Yeah, Hey, me too. And this is really good. And it's also, it's like, I don't think I've ever had a white port wine before. I don't think that that's not, I mean, I think of it as like a big snifter of like heavy, dark red, um, like very intensely plummy kind of wine. Mm -hmm. This is definitely, it's extra dry. I mean, it's still sweet, but it's pretty great.
1: Mm -hmm. And you can mix it also with. Uh, ice and tonic water, it's also nice. This one is also good for that. So,
0: Great, that'll be my plan B with the, with the rest of the bottle.
1: <laughs> Great idea. I'm,
0: am I going to make you leave me the bottle? What am I going to do with the entire bottle? Of course, it's for
1: you. I wanted to choose properly, but...
0: Thanks to your husband, you had to yeah, take what was available. Yes,
1: and run to the store like a crazy person, but that's my normal way of living. Yeah. <laughs> Just,
0: that's when you're most comfortable, when you have a, an urgent errand, yes. something to do.
1: No, we Portuguese, that's a, a characteristic we do have. Uh, you probably do have to, but Portuguese people I used to... There's a Portuguese word that I cannot translate. It's called desenrascar. Desenrascar is like you have to arrange a method at time um, and with great imagination. It's true.
0: It's true. All of that in one word?
1: Yes, all that in one word. The word, the word in Portuguese is quite funny. Uh, but we do have that characteristic. For example, I studied in a German school. If you ask a German person to solve something in... Uh, like in five minutes of the the the, the 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 problem having to be solved, yeah, they will uh, panic. We don't panic. We live that way it, consistently. We oh. solve things five minutes before it's done. It's like
0: always improvising. Always, always impro- finding. A yeah, way. it's
1: improvising, but it's funnier. But it's like improvising, <laughs> but funnier, all right
0: people you're just gonna have to believe on it i I that word is like improvising, but funnier <laughs> I know I, I think if it was Eduardo was telling me something he's like some um Eduardo Leal, who was on the show, who's mm-hmm. a, a friend of your husband's, also, but he was saying like, um I don't know, the Portuguese word is just better. It's like I, I can't translate it, I don't want to. it's like so I, I feel like there are those things some words they're just gonna be funnier Portuguese. Yes. Um, how did you go to a German school? Was that here in Porto?
1: Yes, it was in Porto. It, it has no, it has no apparent reason, besides from my mother having uh, also studied there. Ah, okay. So she studied in German school because maybe it was close to home, and then she put me also me and my brother there, and it was good because. I still don't understand Portuguese people working. I still don't, and I work in Portugal since forever, since like ten years, since I've been working, and I do not understand Portuguese people working, working.
0: Like the work style of Portuguese people? Yes. Because it's... the Germans taught you the meaning of work.
1: Yeah, the meaning of time and schedule and oh, like Christ, two, yeah. it's two, three, it's three. it's four but in portugal no that's very flexible it's like liquid the 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 time is liquid it's like two but it can be three and then it can be four and it can be tomorrow everything can be arranged it's like
0: (laughs) that's amazing i i and i noticed you broke off a very um (laughs) <laughs> uh, appropriate-sounding genau, so obviously you have the German skills, <laughs> but the thing that really sticks with you is this appreciation of the value of punctuality, the, uh, what is it? Yeah, I'm uh, a bit freak. Yeah, the punktlichkeit that is like, exactly. it's it's one of the defining characteristics of the people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, there's, there's a dark side to the German uh, obsessions with efficiency, but it is, I, I always, I don't know, I, sometimes I resent here in Southern Europe I remember going to Cefalu in in, uh, Sicily right around the time that Germans were making absolutely insane demands on all the southern European countries, you know, and just being like very German about it and and kind of jerks like we're, you know, demanding austerity, insane measures and all this stuff. And yet Cefalu is just full of Germans who were trying to like get a little bit of that sun, a little bit of that southern, you know, mentality, like. Trying to relax, trying to get out of their skin a little bit. And I, I, I thought, you can't have both, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't come here and just eat ice cream all day, and <laughs> lay out on the beach and enjoy the tremendous love and hospitality of Southern Europe. And then when it's time for the loan to come due, you know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's a, it, is, it is a, a, a remarkable uh, kaleidoscope that is this continent. Yes. Um, and have you <laughs> yes. have you lived outside of Portugal or was, have you always been here?
1: Almost no, almost never. like one year in Barcelona, I did at Az there. It was a, an amazing year, and I loved the city, of course. Besides from that, I've always lived in Portugal, so I'm really from here, very Port- portuense.
0: Portoans. And how do you feel about, I mean, so many of the people that I have met here, even in Matosinhos, and like have spent huge amounts of time or are still actually living abroad. What is it like to be someone who stays and, and you're young and talented and, and ambitious and, and loved and like you can go and work anywhere and, and do, you know, anything you want to do. And yet here you are staying in Porto.
1: It's true. It's 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 a question that I've asked myself because, for example, my brother uh, has emigrated. He he lives in German, in Germany. My my the the sister of my everyone everyone is abroad, <laughs> basically. Right. A lot of my friends, a lot of architects. I'm an architect of um, education. Mm-hmm. A lot of architects, a lot of my friends are abroad because in Portugal. Although it is a great country and it is, it has so many qualities, but in terms of your work being recognized uh, properly, in terms of value, in terms of living costs and everything, for young people it is not that easy. Uh, we are not well paid, etc. It's not that easy. So of course you have much better opportunities abroad. So I kind of decided it, but it's not a decision. I think most important things you don't decide. It's like my work, I didn't decide to become an illustrator or an artist, an architect. I just kind of stayed in the path and it started to make sense. So to stay here, it's also a question of pride uh, and a question of um, challenge. I like challenges. So mm. I think it's a challenge.
0: And what's the pride? Just pride in 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 being Portlands, pride in staying here.
1: It's like your heritage uh stays with you and in my case some uh, of course I don't have any pretension of representing a city. But I do representation, so it's funny because I can joke with that.
0: You actually represent the city. I,
1: I actually represent the city, not yes. in the way that the, major, the mayor represents the city, but right. I do represent the city. You create representations. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's, I think it's important to have a place, to, to have a center. My husband, for example, he travels a lot. He tra- travels almost the whole year. And I stay here um, most of the time. I love to travel, but, um, but he travels more than me. And I think it's important to have a center and it never I never felt like that. But I don't exclude the idea of going abroad because my works are site-specific almost. With the passing of time, knowing me better, I understand that I cannot do some piece that is abstract. Okay, I have one or two pieces that are abstract in the way that they are almost universal, like my Babel Tower that I put now in Lisbon. But the rest of the time I do a work for a place. And that is why it is so important to have a center, but then to go to the places and understand them and to feel the place. Uh, I did a work like that uh, last year in Macau and it was amazing because I was there, I had to live there to understand it and then to produce a piece. So
0: so it can happen like you can assume the identity of someone who's looking at some, some place that's quite dissimilar like Macau mm-hmm. uh, and then create art based on what you see in the city that kind of unfolds in front of you but it's not it's, it's, not, it's not something that you can just sort of do, I don't know, I mean, we had mentioned JR before we started recording, Mm -hmm. you know, this kind of like very well-known and and, uh, very kind of um, well-marketed kind of street artist, but he does installations everywhere. He's like, you know, Banksy, it could just be at any point in any, you know, on the U.S.-Mexico border and the West Bank and the Louvre, it doesn't matter. For you, you have to like really, you have to have a root in a place before you start to do a project there.
1: Yes, it's very important to understand the place because, probably because I'm an architect and I'm an architect from Porto. Again, I'm sorry for, uh, I'm making a lot of publicity to my city, but it's not publicity because my, my education... By the way, that's
0: why we're here. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's great.
1: No, but my education, I studied architecture here in Porto, in the Porto University, the faculty of, of Porto. And this is the university where Cesar Vieira and Fernando, before him Fernando Távora, and after Cesar Soto de Mora. They are three major architects, and they are really, really important marks um, worldwide. Mm. They are you 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 cannot study architecture without studying them, especially Cesar Vieira. And these um, are l-
0: local. Porto Local and exactly architects trained exactly and, yeah, in and Porto,
1: here. and their philosophy and that's very beautiful and that's why I think I work like I work their philosophy, if you can call it like like in Porto we call in in the university they call it method. Their method is to feel the place, to understand the place, to go there. Like Cesar did a building in Berlin, and the critics say he was a Berliner. He did a work in Manhattan. They say he was a New Yorker. So that's, uh, that's how I learned. That's why I am like that. I, I, I need to feel the place to understand the place. And I cannot, for example, I love maps. And I do mental maps. But I cannot put something that's in the north, in the south, and something that's on the west, in the west. Because it, it doesn't make sense for me. So although it's mental... It's not, it has to do, it has to have some organization. It has to have some relation to the real geography. It's not only imagined geography. It has to relate to what I see, what I understand, what I study. So In,
0: in your funny. art, Matosinhos, a northern suburb, would never be south of Porto. It's <laughs> just like the, the world could not exist that way in your work. Uh,
1: Matosinhos, for me, it's also Porto. Of course, it's Matosinhos, it's a, a, a different uh place, but it it belongs to Porto, it belongs here. I've always also lived uh here. I had a lot of friends living here, so it's part of the spirit.
0: I I have to say that it's not something surprising to me, um but also makes a lot of sense to for you to say that there's kind of like three world-class architects who would come out of Porto's architecture program at the university because and, and i don't know if i'm making that connection but the past two days just walking around whether central porto or, or here even on um you know this street which is like the architecture is insane it's so interesting it's so different like and it's so strong and like just the the i don't i you know i i I just was constantly pulling the phone out and and you know, and, and Matt kind of walking with me, even even more so. Here's a building with pink tiles that look like they're lining an oven on the outside. <laughs> Here's like a brutalist, like a really intense structure that feels like the facade would be you know, at home in Romania, you know, like, and it's really, it's, it's, Montezinhos is pretty gritty on some level from an architectural sense, but it's so fascinating. And I don't even know why, like, I have no understanding of, of what's happening, but it sounds, it it seems like this is something that is, is a really deep part of the identity of, of, of this town. I don't know if that's true of the rest of Portugal, but.
1: Yes, and you have you have also here the Casa d'Architettura, the home, the house of architecture. It's very, very near. It's like uh, very near of, of where we are, and the house of Cesar also uh, some houses of him. So the um, and the theory about architecture is also very strong here. So. We have a heritage. We that studied here in Porto. We really have a heritage that's really strong. Uh, I should assume there, and it's interesting because there's a certain rivality. Probably, you've you've s- felt that, um, you've sensed that between Porto and Lisbon.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a rivalry between the yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I meant. That right is there. true. Yes. People keep telling me to, you know, that Porto is the best city and yeah, it's the second city. Nah, and,
1: both yeah. are amazing. Both are really amazing. Of course, the affection, it's the arguments are always, uh, partial. Fair. <laughs> but in terms of architecture, we really have the masters. Yeah. So, so the heritage here is very strong.
0: And it seems very like pastiche in some way. Like the, 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 amount of different styles. And, you know, I, I come from a a town, uh, I grew up in Key West where uh, there's a, a a preservation board that ensures that every building is built the exact same way. They're almost like Hasids. Like they've decided like, this is the look that we're (laughs) going to have forever. And it's from the same era, like 1870s, like a wooden Victorian, you know, kind of style house. It's the only thing we're going to build. It's so incredible and kind of confounding and, and uh, challenging and awesome to be in a place where these styles seem like right next to each other.
1: Yes, but that's also due to some or badly or bad organized urban uh, politics. And here in Portugal, if you go to outside the centers, you see really very not well done uh, buildings and that's that's a shame because we really have very very good good
0: people like if you had better zoning then it would be more straightforward but there's I mean there's a balance right because you want you don't want people building like an 80 story building in a residential neighborhood or whatever you know zoning laws exist for a reason Mm -hmm but they can become very oppressive very quickly. You have
1: to decide. it's like persons, it's like people, like you can love very beautiful and like equal people to each other, like models, they are so pe- pretty and the same. And you can love people that are different. Like it's, I think it's like life. You just, that, that's a contradiction that will exist forever and you'll never get a real good balance between that.
0: how did you how did you move from architecture to art
1: good question it was I had a moment when I decided I remember it perfectly it was very nice because it was a moment like this one I was having a glass of wine and a great lunch with some friends I was doing the PhD in architecture at that time and I, I, I shared some drawings in internet I, I'm 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 terrible with internet and those things, but I I shared some things, and people started to like and share and wanted and wanting to buy it, and I had a new uh, a newspaper publishing my work, and I was with some friends with a company that wanted me to do the work and. Friend...
0: And this was like a one-off newspaper article about your art, or. Or you had a regular feature? Where no, you're...
1: no, it was one, one time. Like it a was profile like of you exactly as an artist, exactly profile, yeah. and that somehow resonated uh, in a in you know, a bigger way than I thought. And a friend of mine, it was very fun because I remember it perfectly. He's still a friend, and now he lives he lives in America precisely. And he asked me, and I I told him I have to finish my my PhD first, and he asked me. Why do you have to finish your PhD? And that question was like crucial for me. Right. I was, why do I? Mm, good question. I got home and I said to, my, I still lived with my mother and grandmother, and I said, I'm going to quit the PhD. I know I have a scholarship, but I, I will quit. <laughs> and I'll start drawing and try to live from it. And they were like, my grandmother was like nah that's not a good idea my mother was like okay you can do whatever you you want probably super afraid but
0: <laughs> right but they were they were willing to let go of the dream of doctor aragao
1: yeah to... and I, and now now i have the greatest idea ever for the phd really i have the great idea yes. i could explain you but it took it would take longer
0: you just said you have the greatest idea ever.
1: It's amazing. It has to be. It's it has to do I can I can explain it like in large large
0: Definitely, please. Yes. Yes. It's... The greatest idea ever. The
1: greatest the idea ever is to do a PhD based on drawing. Of course, because I do drawing and the University of Porto and the faculty they defend drawing as the method. Ta-da. It's like the most important thing ever if you draw by hand. But I tried to do a Ph.D. that was based on drawing and they were like "Mm, we prefer theory. But now I think I have more arguments because I've worked for like uh, seven years now in drawing. And what I've done, it's research and it's real and true and I think valid research about cities. So I have more arguments now.
0: So it's a, a doctorate of drawing. Yes. I, I love that idea.
1: Based on and drawing. That,
0: and that goes, that goes beyond an MFA or, you know, just fine arts. You, you, will, you will earn your doctor credentials as someone with with a pen in hand.
1: I would love that. And you, of, of course, I love theory. I'm a very theoretical person. I'm always reading. When I write a text, it has like 100 footnotes. Uh, but I think that would be a great challenge for me. Just to write would be amazing, but to draw, and I would love to imagine, that's my that's my challenge, to imagine Porto, but I, I, I have to convince, I don't have to convince anyone, I just have to exhibit it then. To imagine Porto, what if, my question normally when I start something is, what if, what if Guimarães was... City that. What if Lisbon had uh, another earthquake and. So that's my question, and I would like to do it systematically for Porto. And what if the projects that were never built were in fact built? What would they look like now?
0: Amazing. So taking all of these mothballed architectural projects and, and imagining them as you know kind of long standing residents exactly. in the city skyline. Exactly. Yeah the,
1: the, the, the transformations that the city suffers, everything like uh, I think that could be amazing. There's a, um, Piranesi is one of my Giovanni Battista Piranesi, he was like a master in drawing, also an architect, trained architect, Italian, he's like my master. And my master, (laughs) he's dead, but I love love him anyway.
0: (laughs) Some of the best people are dead. Yes. That's very true.
1: (laughs) It's true. So uh, he has like imaginary drawings of real places. So that's very, very beautiful. And I would like to follow his steps in a contemporary way, of
0: course. But you'll be doing real drawings of imagined timelines, like alternate... Timelines, alternate futures. It's like an art. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
1: It's like alternate future. If that would have happened, what would we see now?
0: I I mean, it's so (laughs) it's it's truly fascinating to me. And your work, there's something about it that I I mean, as you can tell, even from my sort of uh, tongue-twisted description of the architecture, this is not. These are not waters that I swim in a, a lot, like you know, kind of architecture, especially, but even drawing. Um, there's something about your work that just cuts through whatever lack of knowledge I might have, because it's so it's um, it's so understandable as as an as an act. You know, it's it is drawing, and you and you don't. I mean, you draw with like a big pen sometimes, right? Yes. You I mean, yes. all the time or like... Not what's...
1: all the time. Lately, I've been drawing more with a big pen because it allows you a more, uh, bigger realism. That's interesting. Like, I love... Do you know Georges Luis Borges? Yeah. The, the writer. Yeah. I love his writing because I think he and other people, but he can... Uh, give some realness to fiction. I don't know if you can say it like that but he can he can make fiction somehow believable. And my big pen allows me that to give some realism to the fiction to to fiction to my imagined buildings and structures and architectures.
0: And if you used more sort of refined or exquisite tools you you think it would just add to the artifice. It would it would it would be less real.
1: It's less real, but I also do use other regular uh, ball pens, black ball pens. I, I mean, <laughs> it,
0: it, it, when we're talking about in the art world that that also is not incredibly fancy, right? It's just these I, that's the the kind of quotidian and I you know, I say it like it's folk art, but it's not because even though you're using a big pen, you're creating something that's so intense and so elaborate and and obviously the product of such such you know, obsession. Mm-hmm. It's this completely enchanting combination of approachable in the sense of like everyone has drawn at some point with a pen, and absolutely, fantastically alien, unapproachable because <laughs> it's at a level and it's creating a, a depth and an intricacy that it is immediately recognizable as some like next next level thing that you're doing. It's such a it's a it's a it's an odd combination. It, it's striking.
1: Thank you very much, I don't deserve those words. But it is truly amazing to do that because sometimes I have no idea if I'm going to be able to finish it because of that obsession, because of that intricacy. Sometimes the last work I did, I'm presenting it now in the festival Vils Festival in Lisbon, the last work I did, I, I just spent, I have no idea of time but like six, seven, eight months around the same piece and I was doing it for nothing. <laughs> That's the funny thing. I was doing it for the sake of doing it because I just felt I had to do another Babel Tower. I've, I, I, Sometimes I draw a Babel Tower because it's one of my obsessions because it's the, the most amazing myth of the city so it's really important of course and I'm into... I'm trying to somehow um, go back to some images that are part of our common imaginary. Everyone knows Bruges, Babel Tower, I think, or has seen it, has imagined it. Everyone has seen some others. So I'm interested in exploring those common imaginary places and pictures, but bringing them to contemporaneity. Uh, To our days and to rethink to 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 rethink it. Um, So
0: describe for 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 me what the Babel Tower is like. What what's what is the form? It's
1: a the the original drawing is two meters by one and sixty. That for a drawing is quite big. For for a pen drawing, it's quite big, and it's and this
0: was your original or or or
1: this is was my, like, you look at the drawing and the shape is exactly like the original one from made of, uh, from Bruegel. But I just transformed the, the, the content. Everything is different. Uh, the houses are being destroyed because of the war sceneries that we see in the news. The, um, the materials are all different. The The... Um, you have written words in the walls, on the walls that say, for example, fake empires that I love from the National, or they say, um, tra- uh, realismo, tra- uh, realismo mágico, or um, tragical, no, magical, magical realism, magical and I realism. cut the magical and I write tragical, for example. So you have so many things that I added to that,
0: and this is Bruegel's, but 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 just in updated a bit for the modern, dark, yeah. yes,
1: a bit darker,
0: a and bit. It, and it, it does feel that way. It's like <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind? No. This is a the the seminal kind of at least in our childhood um, movie about people who are visited by aliens, and the way that they kind of express what had happened to them was they. And the way they they were marked and marked for each other was that they were building similar structures, and they just like kept and it was like this thing where they just couldn't stop. And it was like it's eerie and it's fascinating and it's a it's a it's an act of creativity. They're creating these kind of structures, and and it's also you know it doesn't let them be, and it mm-hmm. feels like that's like when you keep coming back to a theme to something like the Tower of Babel, you mm-hmm. know. And you're just, like, continue to revisit and update and, like, create yes. a new version.
1: Yes. I have, like, now I have three. The first one was very neat, very clean, very calm. The last one is, like, just crazy information, dark. You have to see it because it went to a mural, a very big mural of seven meters or three and something.
0: This is one in Lisbon at the yes, Festival. Yes, the one.
1: Yeah. And it's just amazing. It was... It was s- such a challenge to finish it because you have to have a, a, a discipline. It's, it's not that easy to have that discipline. I'm a very disciplined person, but even so...
0: Thanks to the Germans and their exactly German school. Exactly, thanks
1: to the Germans. <laughs> the Germans. It's
0: the Germans have taught me <laughs> the value of work. But it's true, it does feel like that motor that you have is not. It's not an inquisitive... You know, you're not sort of daydreaming in a, in a, in a you know... Um, no,
1: you know. waiting for inspiration yeah. for to come. No, it's like discipline. Work hard, like work and start and then finish. Because I believe that the best... I don't really believe in inspiration in the way that we understand it. Because a lot of people tell me that. You need to be inspired to work, don't you? No, like you don't need to be inspired because we all have to work somehow, or almost everybody has to work. I do because I have to pay the bills and etc. Like normal people, um, and I believe that you find in a in a in another in another plan. But I think you find the solutions for your problems working and searching and not only thinking. I think a lot, and I make like. 100 plans, 100 plans for an exhibition, for example. I really do. Every day for like two or three months, I'm having new ideas. And then I find the solution when I start to do it, right. and I repeat, and then I do it again, and then I do it again, and then somehow I find the solution. It's not only by thinking, it's by doing.
0: It's it's amazing, and it's so so needed, and I wish I could bottle that energy to just you know, deliver it to, like, young writers or something, right? And, and it reminds me, we was talking today about one of my um, uh, journalistic heroes, this guy, Paul Ford in New York, who writes these amazing essays about the creative process and, and about a lot of things, but he always had this phrase about editors who ship. And, you know, there's so much of writing that involves people sort of wallowing in their own indecision and, and, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone of this of just sort of, like, waiting for creativity to strike. Meanwhile, Paul wrote this incredibly insightful essay about, you know, the thing that really matters. Like, the actual value of an editor in, in our world is somebody who just ships. You just, you get the piece into the world. You just do, you mm-hmm. know. As Mathoni Drummer Queen said in Nairobi, like, she has a bias for doing. And I just found that like incredibly inspiring and that way of like, you're saying like, I, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to Mm -hmm. accomplish. And I wonder if your, your art wears its effort on its sleeve, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like people, it's, it's, it's intimidating. It's, it's mind blowing when you see one of your pieces. Again, the, the creative vision behind it exists but the first thing to me that that is, is most apparent is like the energy and the effort and the life force that went into this. And is that on purpose, like?
1: Yes, in a way. Until now it has been, because it's funny. There are two kinds of people and there are two ways of saying it. So the first one is Peter Cook, he's one of my heroes. He did drawings in the 60s for Archigram. It was a group of um, of English guys that were architects that were exploring the possibilities of futuristic architecture and they did this amazing drawings. And Peter Cook t- uh, talks about two different kinds of people, the ones that look at drawings and the ones that assume they are there. And I was telling a friend of mine, it's so funny because uh, I spend like, for example, five months... Uh, doing a drawing and people look at it like one second or two or five minutes at most and then just look away it's okay it's okay they don't have to look like I do but I, I don't talk about me it's like talking about generally we we are not used to looking at images of course because we just scroll images it's very easy it's very fast nowadays we don't have those silent moments where we can just appreciate something that had a lot of effort. The, the second thought I was thinking when you were talking about it was I showed my drawings to one of the galleries I like here in Porto and I would like to be... probably I would like to be there, I'm not sure. I changed my mind a lot. <laughs>
0: it's are <your> right, okay.
1: <laughs> and the guy said to me, okay, this is great, when I showed him the drawings, this is great, this is like you have it all, now just do bigger things and canvas, and I was like, no, like you're not understanding, this is the work itself, it's not a preparatory thing.
0: This is not a blueprint for something that you'll take large...
1: It's not the canvas has more value than the drawing. Oh my god! Like yeah. are we in third pl- grades? <laughs> no, um, and there are those people that look at things and just don't understand the value it has. I'm sometimes I do it purposely. Like if you think of a painting that's all blue, like Chagall, for example, yep. he's like genius. I don't believe it. T- it took less than mine to do Mm. it's just a different approach
0: So even though you, I mean, obviously with Rothko and a lot of that style of art, a lot of people complain about the lack of perceived effort, right? Mm -hmm. Or perceived lack of effort where they're like, that's, it's, it just painted the canvas blue or something, you know, Mm -hmm. you have a a completely oppositional approach. But when you look at Rothko, you see the intricacy or the thoughts and the, 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 um, obsession that you put into your work as well.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think, yes, the visual is only a metaphor for the, whatever you think, for the thoughts. So in my case, I just make it more appa- uh, apparent yeah. to your eyes, but it's almost an excuse. It's almost a pretext. It's almost um Uh, Capricio. How do you say it? um,
0: Uh, uh, Caprice.
1: Yes. It's something Capricious. Yes. Yeah. something almost egocentrical because maybe in two or three or four or ten years I won't be doing that. I have no idea. Now I'm doing that because that's what I feel I have to do. It's very strange. You
0: feel it with an urgency. I think that doesn't feel you know temporary
1: no 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 it's terrible every day not every day but yes every two days i say i will get a job now i'm quitting i will get a job like normal people this is very difficult <laughs> but then i laugh and i say no unfortunately this is my destiny this is my fate right and i know this will last forever because it's really my obsession because I do something and then I see the errors and then I have to do it again and then yeah. I see the errors and then I have to do it again. I'm,
0: I'm trying to imagine you in like a corporate boardroom at some sort of mid-level, you know, management meeting, just doing the <laughs> most amazing doodles on your paper, and everybody has left the boardroom meeting, and you're still just like working it out, and you're just that's like, how I it need to started. Job. Yeah, not
1: in a in a in a in a company. But in the PhD classes... <laughs> and
0: you were just making these exquisite, was, extraordinary doodles during class or yes, something?
1: Yes, yes. That's so crazy. That's how it started, it's true. I was in the classes, some of them were really boring and I was feeling sleepy and I was just doing the doodles, like you say, they were really doodles. And my my colleagues started to pay attention and told me, wow, Anna, that's nice, why don't you exhibit them? And I was like, huh? I'm just doing this for... Time to pass.
0: It's amazing. Uh. And it's it's like a superhero story or something. It's like someone who doesn't know her own powers, you know. Like <laughs> all of a sudden, you're melting walls with your eyes or something, you know. But it's like I I I don't I haven't seen those doodles. I can imagine they were fucking amazing. No, and you no, probably no. you probably thought they were just like, oh, this is what everybody does when yes. they're bored in class. Yes, and yes. it turns out, of course, that that's this was how it like, started. It's
1: really my colleagues. They are all my friends. And we remember that time with great—not um, love, but 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 so uh, soldad. Do you know? Soldat. Has anyone told you so about soldad? No. 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 So you're not with the bright Portuguese people. <laughs>
0: All right, everybody's on blast. Who's been leading me around the last couple of days? You morons! Tell me about soldad.
1: Soldad is just the most important word, Portuguese word that you'll ever learn. So that is in German, zensucht.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: All Portuguese people say that saudade is only a Portuguese word. That's how we want to present it. Because it has to do maybe with our descubriments, with our discoveries. Uh, we discovered the world in yeah, theory. Yeah. Um And saudade has that feeling related to the sea and with the ships that sailed away and we didn't know if the guys, the men were coming back or not. It has to do with fado, Portuguese music that's very intense and very sentimental too. So saudade is just the most important word that you'll ever learn.
0: That is the the core essence of the Portuguese soul, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. So that, and I cannot believe that nobody has talked no. about it with me. That's a dis- di- no, a disaster. Disaster. Um, <laughs> since since we are here drinking port wine and we're in Matosinhos, which is very near Porto, like tell me tell me something about the city that that inspires you in, in the work that you do? Because it is, as you had said very well before, it's like very specific to this place. You're very connected to it. What, what should people know about Porto that, 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 you know, kind of finds life in your, in your art?
1: Um, Porto is very... We have a great hospitality, I would say. And that's very special because we have that also to each other. It's very friendly, and it is very intricate. It's very dense. It's very typical, and it's still very local, in the way that the center is still local. I hope the politics understand that, and I'm sure they will. Uh, hopefully,
0: you're you're making a face like maybe they won't. Yes, but 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 ultimately, Be- you know, we've talked about like Kibera, like being you know overrun by tourists and so on but you you still feel you feel the small alleys the dense I do. local
1: and I work in the center I work in the center and I still feel that and for me that's the soul of a city the people that live in it of course and the way we treat each other we are still very friendly with each other I, I don't feel that so strongly for example in the capital because of course it's a bigger city of course it's the capital it's a bit different although it's an amazing city it's very very beautiful and the light of Lisbon is just magical here in Porto we don't have that light but we have a mystery we have another mystery so if you walk at night for example alone it's still okay Uh, we are very cheerful we are bright people in, in for me that's that's the most important thing uh, about porto we are we are in, in generally speaking of course but we are nice people we are open people we are very hon- honest we, we say the truth yeah
0: you know? i mean i i i have seen more kissing <laughs> in the last 3 days than maybe i've seen in in years and and it's like every time i'm talking to someone it's like an invitation for, you know, all of the Portuguese who are near everybody from Matzino or if who're in the center to just come and kiss the person I'm talking to. Yes, and yes. just be like, ah, now, when oh, we I... hug,
1: yeah, we hug, we kiss everything. it's
0: it's 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 incredible. It's just like, you know, uh, Porto is is one giant cuddle puddle that I can tell. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. people are so kind to each other and they're so nice, and like everybody feels really validated. And, yes. and there's you know this wonderful wine. It's, it's it is a little it's Elysian. It's like uh, it's a, a paradisical. You know, You're just like that that's a that's existence as it should be. You know, just kind mm-hmm, of kisses mm-hmm. and wine. Like please, like. yes, let's go there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, how does Porto live in your work in a way? That if you had been born in Lisbon or, you know, God forbid, another country, like, <laughs> what, how would, how is it specific to, to this place?
1: I would say the organization and the, or the contrary, the confusion, the confusion that that you feel in my work, where of course you have some rationality, but everything's quite confused. Everything's quite. Um, obsolete or uh, the, the time has passed through the, the buildings, for example. and that's that you feel that in my work. So everything there's, has a bit of portal.
0: There's like decay and
1: decay exactly exactly. And
0: there's this, the, the, the gray layer um, yes. yeah that's fascinating.
1: Yes. And um, more than in the beginning, now, now I'm feeling that I'm going towards that. that uh, a lot of people love my initial work. It was more naive. Now I'm beginning to be a bit more darker. People look at my Babel Tower and say, wow, this is Game of Thrones and, and I never saw Game of Thrones. Or they say this is it's a terrible. They say a, a lot of movies that I've never seen Terrible, but people relate to darker to a darker side, and I like that. I am
0: comfortable. Well, with that. it's it's coming at a time also where Porto is renovating itself in the okay. center, where they're you know power washing the walls of old buildings, and that like that film that you know uh, I think it was Eduardo who was making the comparisons to Havana. Imagine if they went through and just repainted every building in Altavena. <laughs> it, like it wouldn't be the same, it, it would, you would lose a national, an international treasure, you know, mm-hmm. a global gem of um, beautiful decay.
1: And I hope that economic reasons don't um, accelerate this gentrification that's happening in the center because I, I don't know if foreigners can can understand, but we really cannot afford the rents that are being um, practiced uh, uh, for young people that don't earn that much to live in the center. I'm not talking the center center, I'm talking near here in Matusins or so. So it's important, It's it would be really important that political... Um, An economic um, power could understand that because we are the soul of the city, not, of course, we love tourists, but they are not the soul of the city. And if tourists come here and they only meet tourists, that's not very interesting, then, then we will be a resort, not, not a city, so. Um,
0: yeah, it is the dark cloud that is gathering for so many of us, right? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I know why your work is making this turn, but it feels like really vital, you know, like really important to communicate and, and express and and uh, uh, pass on the urgency of those questions. Like this is the city that is your muse and like it's it has a path that, you know, that that is turning turning badly, mm-hmm. right? I mean, maybe I'd say it's a, it's a uh, that's that's your job. I know you're you're not looking at it as as uh, you're saying you're not an artist, but you're an artist and your job is to communicate these great, you know, these kind of like gathering dreads mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that people can't, no. can't do.
1: And I think it's very important that you understand how the future could be, to take decisions now, so I, I, I see my work as sometimes as some, it's not a warning, but it's somehow like a premonition, like, look, this could happen this way, so try to think if you want it this way or another way, or let's imagine what could be, and it's very important that, that we keep our imagination alive, like what could be. If not, we're just automats repeating ourselves.
0: Like, I, I did, you know, when I, I the, the, this word kept popping up when I was uh, kind of going through your pieces of art, which now I feel like I haven't spent enough time, like, <laughs> on each one, or I need to see them in person <laughs> to get the full two meters, but it felt or, oracular, you know, like an oracle, Okay. right? You know, it's like you're throwing bones in the fire mm-hmm. and you're seeing some some truth that is like a vision but it's still like very true on some level and that's that's i guess the power of it is just like people need to imagine how it's going to be Mm -hmm. what will this city look like if yes all the projects had been built that had been mothballed and if an earthquake hits lisbon Mm -hmm. it's such a pleasure to hear you talk about that process because as anyone will see if they go and, and look at your art in person or online there's 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 a power behind it like a a motor there that that it's so cool to just be able to look under the hood and and hear from you how it goes. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Nathan. Thank you. So amazing. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The trip from Roads and Kingdoms is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Alexa Van Sickle is our producer. Music by Dan the Automator. Episode illustration by Daisy D. Show artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding also of Roads and Kingdoms. One of the great pleasures of my days in Porto was the company of those r and comrades, Alexa and Matt. No two finer people to share Francesinhas with over deep buckets of beer. Next week, the trip heads to Montreal. Starting with the radio voice of Le Quebec Maintenant, the journalist and columnist Patrick Lagasse. It's gonna be a great five weeks in Quebec with writers and singers and French Canadians and anglophones and Cree activists and Mohawk cooks. On y va, we will meet you there.